Hello, and welcome to Griplock, Foundation Disc Golf's weekly podcast. I'm Connor. I'm joined to my left by Trevor, and I'm joined right here by Hunter, who is currently on vacation at the beach. And he's not here with us today, but he's going to join us through uh, Discord, and we're going to be talking to him. We've got a lot to talk about today on the podcast, a lot of notes and a lot of things going on in the disc golf world right now. But first of all, I think we just wanted to talk to Hunter. Hunter, how's vacation going? It's so far so good, man. For, I mean, that was a very aggressive intro. Props to you. You, you came in hot and heavy there. Aggressive. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Like the, I, the hello. No, you was fine. It was perfect. It was okay. great. I love it. Thanks, man. I, well, it wasn't. Yeah. I just expected you to be like a little bit more like, you know, reserved for some reason. Hello, you were, you were ready. This guy's Welcome to Foundation's Griplock podcast. Is that what you want? More of a librarian. That's not what I wanted. That's oh. what I expected. Oh, okay. Okay. I yeah. got what I got. What I wanted. All right. Cool. No, but vacation's been great. I'm sitting here at, uh, at like Lizzie's, my wife's uncle's beach house, um, under like deck, sitting on down, out on the sound. I got this bird, literally sitting here staring at me. Record this podcast. He's my only friend this morning. Everyone else is still asleep. Does he have a name? Um, Eddie. Eddie the egret. Eddie the egret. Should nice. I turn? I'm gonna turn the camera. I'm gonna turn the camera. If you're listening on audio, just <laughs> just true. Google the egret. Just, just Google the egret, and that's exactly what Eddie looks like. <laughs> He's just your run-on-the-mill egret. You know what I mean? Nice man. Um, but no, yeah, it's been it's been great. It's been a good good week so far. I'm excited to be back, uh, nah, especially bro, for the lie. companion stream and um, yeah, I am the companion stream and the follow-up for Worlds. This I'm excited man, for that. You might really excited to be back. You might have a view of the sound, whatever that is. And oh yeah, and I, we should view. say that there's yeah, some serious construction going on against that wall. Yeah, if you hear some noises, yeah, I can I can kind of hear it in the background, so I know they can. Don't worry about it. I, it's honestly getting to the point <laughs> where I'm gonna like walk back there and like possibly physically assault those construction workers, and they have, <laughs> <laughs> they're literally they're so innocent, but this noise, it's this high pitched like it's getting tool. louder literally. It's while like we're a saw. Talking. Yeah, and it's bad. <laughs> it's like they I can think hear it's a, us. It sounds like a saw. It literally like it's like. Yeah. Anyways, but listen. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Silas now there's the, two of them harmonizing. Silas the mixer <laughs> man is is on it. The yeah. people they can't hear a thing. It's a whisper. I, anyways, no, anyways, I'm the one. I can hear what they hear. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> they can hear it. No, it's a whisper. Anyways, um, our view is even better than that. We've got all these cardboard boxes, a lot, and mm. shelves, and it's awesome. And like, mm-hmm. there's like a few light bulbs in here. It's pretty nice, but I'm, I'm not the Hunter. I will so say how, that I'm drinking a coconut bay or bay. I don't know people pronounce it differently because I wanted to feel like I was on the beach with you. Yeah, man. There you go. There you go. You're here with me, man. I know. Uh, what? So what's been going on at the shop? Is it? Dude, is it's, it like a wreck? It's is a it wreck, everything? dude. It's such a mess, man. It's everything. I, it's the other day, a possum got in. <laughs> I think it died somewhere. <laughs> uh, there was a small fire. No, I'm just kidding, dude. It's you know it's run. We run in a tip top shape. We got a microwave yesterday. We did. Did you see my tweet? Yeah, I saw that on Twitter. Yeah, well, you didn't. I did. Thanks for not liking that tweet or replying. That's well, cool. no, I was gonna respond. So I don't want to get too far ahead of us in the podcast. But oh, what I was boy. waiting on is I was gonna respond the same way the PDGA responded uh, to Brody. That's funny. And I thought it'd be funny because I assumed they were gonna say something like 
dismissing the problem and like act like nothing happened. Yeah. And I was just waiting to be able to quote them. That's, that's really And then funny. they never responded. I respect so that. I guess meta I, of you. I respect that. Yeah, that's very I guess meta. I did technically quote them by not responding as well. That's so. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> no, we got a microwave and it was $10. Only, it was $10 at Goodwill and it works great. And I would say Kroger's like pre-made mac and cheese that you put in the microwave is amazing. Yeah, our lunch options at Kroger now are is an expansive universe. Because we can heat food. That's up. all. Good to hear. It's an inexpensive, Good to hear, you know? expensive. Yeah, we take. We just took care of ourselves, man. You know. That, maybe you can find a mini fridge. We too put the microwave right on top of your desk. <laughs> Did you really? No. Now, quick story, Hunter, because you went off about the uh, the weekly last week or the week before. I don't remember. But yeah, dude, I killed your boy Trevor in you the weekly me, this dude. week. I killed him one stroke. There you go. I got him by one stroke. It was it was exciting. I saw the I saw the putt that you sent. It was yeah, exciting. It was it was exhilarating. It was very cold blooded. Because we were on. Uh, I mean, we can only we can only hope that Worlds comes down to a putt like you true. had to hit on Trevor. I'll go Honestly, in and fill him in. We were we were on the last hole of our weekly league, and I had Trevor. Me and Trevor were tied. He was um no no I had you by one stroke yeah because he had like a ten foot like tap in uh on the last hole and I kind of shanked my drive and it faded way left and so I was like. That's Outside good, of circle one, how far yeah, was I? It was I? a good 50 feet. You had the tree branch hanging down, too. Like, it was a tough putt. And my putt was pretty on that day. It Everything was. else was off. My putt was pretty good. And so I said, so if I made it, then I won by one stroke. So I said, Trevor, take out your phone so I can we can record this for Hunter. And the pressure just, it helped me out. It was epic, and I Hunter's inspiration inspired me. And unfortunately, me. so he had an adjusted 41 with the handicap, and I thought that was totally going to win it. And then... Uh, Someone came in. Daniel came in with an adjusted 39. <laughs> <laughs> Ruthless. Somebody that's, all, a, that's the same thing that happened to Silas. Silas yeah, had an adjusted 41 just, one week, and happening. someone adjusted to a 39. Yeah, it's not happening Man, for us. It's, just, it's not in the cards for us to win. Somebody also chained out dead center for the, the ace oh, pots yeah. up to like 50 bucks now and somebody chained out dead center on hole eight it was forehand it was brutal okay it was an exciting league well we've got a lot to talk about let's move this is this is the world's podcast uh overall so we've got a lot worlds. to talk about but before we get into that uh we all saw the huge disc mania announcement go down on youtube yes, we and did. I have to say, I got chills during it. It's pretty awesome. Because I am I used to be a huge fan of Dismania. I haven't thrown anything Dismania in a while. Well, no one has. <laughs> uh, mm. But <laughs> I, uh, so I was really excited about it. And we were excited to see that they are officially making their own discs. Um, they The originals are back, or at least it says their originals are back. Um, and what it, from what it looks like, um, it's the same names but they're new molds technically uh but we we don't, we don't really know a ton about that but yeah. all we know is that they claim that they are the same original molds and still the same plastics but they're new they're called the same thing but they're new plastics i don't know yeah. what, what are you guys thoughts on the, that the thing so there's a there's a quite a few takeaways from this video number one takeaway though is as somebody who has like worked in marketing quite a bit that's what i did in college like some of the best marketing I've ever seen in, in disc golf and not, not only because yeah, like the video was like really well produced, like that's part of it. Yeah. It but the way they explained what they were doing, first of all, their strategy, I think Hunter and I, I think Hunter said he kind of suspected this later on, but like I have never, I never even thought about the fact that they own the name. I suspected it. I suspected it like morning up. Right. Like it took me, I was thinking about it for like days and 
yeah, so I don't want to I don't want to sound like I sat there and suspected it, but I tweeted out the morning of like two hours before the announcement. Um, I'm gonna go find my tweet so I can tell you because it wasn't like I expected exactly no, what dude. happened. You're a fortune teller. It was close. You got the crystal ball, but there. Man, I tweet a lot. Holy cow! You do. <laughs> you do. But, okay, here it is. I said, I feel like Discmania has found a way to keep or remake some of the most popular original molds. Past few months slash recent marketing and hype makes the most sense if that's true. We'll find out in two hours. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I Crystal that's ball. what I thought. So your strategy or their strategy for this was spot on, probably the best thing they could do. Where yeah. they're basically because here's the thing. The molds that they are remaking, at least from the get-go, like a P2, while yes, the P2 is a great putter. I used to putt with them all the time. It's just a beadless putter that's like straight to stable. Like it's yeah. not hard to remake the flight of a P2. So like it's a no-brainer. But hey, what the video has called it the gold standard of putters for the last ten years. That I mean that's a yeah. I, I thought that was pretty pretty funny because it's n- not maybe, really. But, maybe five years ago. I mean I want a P2. I want a P2. Now yeah. I used to listen. Throw P2s Silas, Silas got the P2s. Yeah, from the drop. Silas got in. Silas did. So yeah. Silas is is money man's. He is. He's got an inside man. Here's the thing. Silas he's also quit said any day now because of the money he's going to make off yeah. his P two. <laughs> Silas also <laughs> said that they on their site they had like kind of a live inventory and on the U S site there was eight thousand units that they sold in like twenty minutes. So that's yeah. Someone said that uh, sixteen thousand. Someone discs. posted on the someone posted on the dealer site. Because the you know the uh, first run dropped the dealers and they're basically uh, you had like a certain limit you could buy we won't get them till I think it's like September or something like that but someone said there was like twenty eight thousand yeah P twos on the dealer site they made a ton but all I'm saying is if we ever get those FDs in I will definitely pick up at least two of them because I miss the FD with every part of my heart yeah dude yeah so from what I understand they basically just Enova owned the molds. Because it was like, you know, they would take like a Rock 3 top and something bottom yeah. for MD3 or a Destroyer top and something bottom for PD2. So they couldn't get the rights to the molds. So they just, but they had the rights to the names. And so they just remade the molds as close as they can to the names. Genius. And then they redid the plastic. The plastic is where I thought this the marketing, the, like what you were saying, really came through. This is going to be the biggest question, in my opinion, is the plastic. Because the molds, I believe that they can remake most of their original molds and make them satisfactory. Yeah. But the plastic is going to be the clincher. And now, and yeah. obviously, the absolute buzzword of the entire video was Italian blend plastic. Yeah. <laughs> what does that even mean? It means it's made by Ferrari. Yeah, yeah like Ferrari's out there <laughs> churning out like well, CD3s. That's what uh, <laughs> UC said. Well, first off, UC put like all rumors to rest that this is possibly like some Neo blend or yeah, something like that. I like, like he immediately that. said it's not this. And then he said, on top of it, he said, this is ours and there's nothing else like it. He also said, you wanted the best. This is the best. And then he said that he worked with chemists to start at the molecular level. Yeah. Like, no, and not only that, but like to make us make a stunning Italian blend. He said top international <laughs> chemists, man. He's got <laughs> yeah. Einstein's grandson in there. I mean trying to make Heiser look, flip the, molds. I fully He's got I Tony Stark believe. making this for him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> He's got Tony Hawk, man. <laughs> but um uh, I fully believe that, like, they really did work with chemists and stuff like that. But, like, the way they worded it, yeah, stuff, it was the like, marketing. I don't, even, was ca- I don't even care if it's not true. If that was yeah. propaganda, it was the care. best propaganda I've ever seen. Yeah, man. I, I buy right into it. Yeah, it was. Brilliant. I literally like, 
I want to throw my whole bag into this into this sound. Like it feels like I have crap in my bag right now. I know, yeah. dude. I don't you're have not Italian that, made blend. If you're not yeah. throwing that Italian stuff. I'm almost more curious. Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> like I'm almost more curious about the baseline plastic to see because especially when they first started the video and they were like we've decided to do three levels of stiffness in the plastic. I'm like, okay, so yeah. you're ba- so I was like, so you're basically just reusing like the same like trilogy like baseline plastic because like they do that but i don't know though because a soft p2 sounds sounds amazing amazing. it does sound amazing no yeah i like because even if it is just the like similar to a trilogy plastic style wise as far as like hard soft base whatever um they we've never had p2s and you know p3x's and all that in those plastic types like all we've ever had is dx S and C line. So basically you know just I mean? KCP2. Yeah. The C line is going to be the most crucial yeah. one for them to emulate, no doubt. Because C line was like yeah. Dismania's bread and butter, which as everybody knows, it was just champ plastic. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. it's just got a different feel than like their Neo or like the Trilogy style plastic, which is a good plastic, but it's a bit softer. Um, I don't think it's quite as durable, even though it has better grip in my opinion, but that's going to be the big one. Did you... Uh... Did you watch Simon's video where he was testing yes, the new yeah, plastic and yeah. the new discs? Yeah, so they, he showed also, the S line off in there too. Yeah, which looks a little bit because the S line they didn't really show right, in the video right. at all. In the in Simon's video, the S line almost looks a little bit more on like the waxier kind of trilogy side. Yeah, um, but like not in a, like a bad way. Just as in like it might be just a. I don't know though. It's gonna be because I feel like the. I mean, yeah. It, I mean, the, I'm the, saying that just based off of the glare. In yeah, the video, it's gonna be so. impossible to know until we all get our hands yeah. on it. I'm very well. The curious. trilogy S line per se would be like fusion, right? And I felt like the S line DD3 he had looked a little bit more see through and stuff than a fusion. Yeah, you're right. Type plastic. It is you're gonna right. be interesting that because the he did say their manufacturing facility is in Sweden, which yeah. raises some questions My, because, like you were saying, Trevor. Why Sweden? Right. My biggest question with this whole video was they come out and they say that they have their own manufacturing, but then it's in Sweden. So I'm like, okay, number one, I already suspected that they're probably one of my theories of what they were going to do was that they were going to get exclusive time with Latitude's machines or rent them or something. My, my hunch is that they are probably using part of an existing facility and it would make the most sense that it's latitudes facility because a, I don't really know how they could have afforded a 22,000 square foot massive facility with all these machines to ramp up their production and B why, why would they put it in Sweden? Now here's, here's a theory I've recently developed. One thing you, okay. A theory that I've recently developed that I think could be the the overarching answer to all this and how because my biggest thing is how are they affording all this even if they were buying out machines from latitude or renting space like what's in this for latitude and my theory now is that they told latitude listen the demand for dismania plastic is through the roof it you know it's going to go crazy so how about we give you a royalty deal as Latitude 64, we give you a royalty deal. You let us use your machines exclusively. You let us ramp up production to the max and make all these discs, and we satisfy the demand, and we give you a percentage of income or maybe just to a certain dollar amount till they pay them back, and that's what Latitude is getting out of it. That's my theory. I think that makes a ton of sense. That's a possibility. If you're Latitude, that is uh, a my, But if then if you're Dismania, you're lying. 
because they that didn't ever claim like they, they said it's fully their machine. Well, it might be fully their, their machine. So maybe they're just like I said, maybe they're just paying back latitude this way so you're saying basically latitude loaned them the money for the machines and the way they're paying back the loan structure is royalties off x amount of discs i think that's a i think that's a reasonable theory that's a possibility i think what i was going to say is you kept asking like how are they affording this how are they affording this yeah i could easily see this being an outside investor type thing possible of they know what Discmania can do. They know Discmania's demand. Also, we haven't even mentioned yet Eagle and Simon. This opens up so many doors. Oh yeah, with that possibility. Oh, yeah. If I'm a like, if I'm a Swedish investor or something like that, or I'm just saying Sweden because it's there. If I'm some type of investor, writing a million, two million, whatever dollar check to Discmania for a certain percentage in their company and royalties or something is a no-brainer. Yeah, because the demand is. So they're going to constantly be. Pro- yeah, I just to be able to bring back the originals yeah. and have full control over it and have full control over the marketability of Simon and Eagle. I mean, I, I, I the affording question, I think there's so many different ways they could afford it. Um, I just have a hard time believing they would be telling people these are our machines if it's just mm. off-brand yeah, latitude. I don't know, man. I've been around disc golf long enough to know. Like, I don't think I don't think telling people that they have their own manufacturing is like but what about the even said manufacturing? They gave us the square footage. They said 22,000 22, square foot manufacturing plant. Yeah, and they yeah. showed the top with like the helipad that has Dismania written. Was on that it. actually a thing though, or is that? Connor, you're a video guy, man. Yeah. You should know Sorry, that probably right. was not real. It was probably yeah, video shop. Definitely not real. <laughs> but but no, I I don't. I yeah, I don't know. Real, it just, just to be clear. <laughs> it just uh, I don't know. The whole thing seemed, like the way the way they presented. Because here's the thing too the. There are things that we know about this whole reveal. Like, for instance, we know that they're redesigning these molds. However, the way they presented that was very sneaky, like good marketing. Like, they they barely made it clear that that's what they were doing. They just were trying to make it seem like they're just bringing back the P2. So the fact that they were being sneaky yeah. with the other stuff, and when I say sneaky, I mean, they were. it was just good marketing. Like, it, it was wasn't clever. dishonest. It was clever. It was clever. So the way they were doing that with every other aspect of the video makes me feel like what like the pattern would continue and they were also doing that when talking about their manufacturing. I'm only really going to oh, be Oh, they convinced. never claimed They never claimed that they like they he said they redesigned the P2 yeah. in the video. Yeah, he did, but it was pretty subtle. They were pretty like if you were a casual disc mania so I have a feeling if you're a casual disc mania like fan, you're probably going to buy these new P2s and like you probably didn't even realize that they were redesigned. Well, yeah. Well, the whole goal, I feel like, for them was to redesign it enough to not have any legal issues, but yeah. have it be so it's slightly different enough that it has to get reapproved. It's a full new mold, whatever. Which none but of them have been in the fe- yet. in the hand feel, yeah, in the hand feel and all of that. And I've I've heard uh, on the Discmania Facebook pages, I've seen where people have been throwing these and putting with them. People who had the chance to. And they said that, like, holding them next to their P2s and putting with them and everything, they're, like, identical. Like, they can't tell a difference. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I wonder, and I think part of their strategy was they were starting with some of their easy-to-replicate molds. Because I don't think the MD3 will be tough to replicate. Now, the DD3 could be eh, kind of tough to replicate. And once you get to, like, the PD and the FD, I think those two will be the ones that people are a little more particular about. However... Well, the PD this, was in Simon's video. Now, here's... The yeah, DD3. now, so here's one thing that... 
Oh, you know the PD. Yeah, you, yeah. Everybody has to realize. Yeah, straight the PD. Is now that they're doing machine manufacturing, Dismania was one of the most notorious companies for inconsistent runs, which produced like you could have like a third run PD and it'd be like super valuable compared to other runs. Which is fun. Now that, yeah, now that they're doing machine manufacturing, it looks like they're going to have, that's not going to happen. It's going to be consistent. So whatever they come out well, with, there, there'll be some, inc- it, it, there'll be some differences, yeah. but it's going to be a lot more similar. It's like, It'll be like the difference. The reasoning for the inconsistency was just because they were using Enova's machine. Right. And they were smaller runs. Right. That's what I'm saying. But so like now they can crank it, but it's not like they were doing, they're doing a different type of manufacturing. It's the same type of manufacturing. I thought it was just that they're in full control of it now. Okay. Well, in any case, I think we're going to have more consistency in their, um, in their runs now. So I feel like whatever they come out with, is going to be more like set in stone. So like they really don't want to mess yeah. up one of these. Because if, if they mess up one well, of the really they, popular ones, like that would be a bummer. From looking at Simon's video, it kind of looked like the, um, the what is it, the DD3 that's the cloud breaker? Yeah. Um, it looked mm-hmm. like that surprised him. Like it was more stable than he thought I it was I think they be. probably made it more stable than it used to be because I think it used to be a little too flippy. Yeah, and I mean Eagles, which I think in the like good. promo video that they dropped, Eagles <laughs> threw at what like seven hundred and thirty feet. Yeah, you disc distance, but I mean I believe it went. That which far. I mean I think I mean okay. I think that's so good maybe for maybe it went six ninety. Yeah, maybe it just went six. It's good to see like because they they it's interesting because they marketed it as Discmania Day One, as in like it's the first yeah. day of Discmania's company, which I think is very cool. that was really cool marketing. But yeah. if you look at it, because I think it is safe to look at them as a as a brand new company, plastic-wise, if they're making their own plastics, we've seen a lot of newer companies make plastics that are garbage. Yeah. Um, we've all seen, but they new- have an Italian made, man. Exactly, not they're not made by Ferrari. But uh, it seems like uh, so. I mean, it's just, it's just gonna be interesting to see as a fairly new company in retrospect, a somewhat new company, uh, how their plastic actually turns out. And it's nice yeah. to see that a new company can make overstable plastic because that's not always the case. Well, the the good thing is, yes, they're a new company. But they have yes, experience. Yes, like, I get what you're saying from that side. But their founder is used to be yeah, a 1040 yeah, yeah. rated pro. Yeah, you're right. They have the number one talented player in the world right now, Eagle McMahon, and the, the two farthest play, throwing players in the world, yeah. and Eagle and Simon. Yeah, I'm sure they've so got it's not input. Like we, yeah, it's not like us three sat down and yeah. tried to come up with a plastic yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's where I think most new companies, it's like just one guy who might be throwing 250 wants to start a disc golf company. Like, of course, he's going to struggle and figuring out plastics and stability. And if I'm Eagle and Simon right now, I'm stoked. Yeah. I'm super excited. Yeah. I don't think they're going anywhere. It's crazy because literally we were just talking like we thought this mania was going to the grave. Yeah. And now I feel like they're in position. They're, take, to, they're, they're in about position to be really to take, popular. Yeah. They're in position to really yeah. make moves well, and take down some big companies. Mm hmm. Yeah, because that's the thing is, I I just never thought this was the possibility. Cause yeah, I didn't suspect it. I don't, know, I don't know why. Until they started hyping it up and hyping it up, then I was like, they're hyping up like way too much for just like originals being gone. Yeah. Like they, they wouldn't do yeah. this if originals were gone. For just the um, that's what made me three. start thinking. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, but that's why I, I thought they had zero chance of keeping Eagle Simon, I was on the fence because it just depended on what he does. He's doing. Yeah. He's been playing great. So I thought I thought Eagle and Simon, at least one of them was gone. Now I'm fully confident they can keep both because yeah, they might more. even be able to like. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, I mean they. More. They just projected themselves, I think, straight up into the the discraft end of a level almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the hype they built, the team they're going to have, 
because they also in the video guaranteed that like Sky Gods, Iron Samurai, like right. the the signature series are coming back. I think to the originals. Yeah, I think it's gonna a lot of it's gonna depend on how fast they can get their lineup back to where it was and how much, um, how quickly they can like produce things to keep up with the demand because like well, nobody can keep up with the demand right now, let alone a as of a company with all this hype. The video he did say that the five molds that they had um the five molds that they had like took him poles on and all of that he was still confident they were going to finish yeah. by the end of this year so yeah. basically the i think it's the p2 md3 dd3 um fd and what's the fifth it's a pd yeah pd those five will, we will have by the end of 2021 all amazing so molds. that's their main yeah. That's their core lineup. It, they're saying by quarter four is not going to be in the player's hands. It's going to be in the public's hands, like readily available. Yeah. By the end of by the end of quarter four. Well, I mean, so and beyond to that, me, that means that start of next season, Simon and Eagle could have full original bags again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I mean, beyond that, they're really only missing as far as super popular molds. They're only missing like the FD three. Uh, I know people the like PD2. the CD people would throw, and then like the 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 other putters, like the X mold putters, like the P three X, P one X people through the, the PD. Oh, they're missing the PD two. The PD two, yeah, that's probably the honestly, that's probably the biggest one left. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of surprised. I know he did polls and stuff. I was pretty surprised they brought the DD three or the FD over the PD two. It's because it's the it's because, because it's the cloud breaker. I know, I know why, but like I thought they would have brought in addition. Like I would have. I, I, I agree. Know, I, I feel like the PD two was put it more over the FD. I well, I'm just a huge fan of the FD, but I understand because the PD two was more of a like a staple Dismania disc. I feel like than the than. The I'm pretty DD3. sure that someone said Ricky's throwing a PD two right now. Still, like that's just how good that disc is. That's interesting. And maybe maybe it's a maybe it's a thing of uh, they just had that's the one they had the hardest time replicating or something. Yeah, I'm not Ooh. sure. I'm not sure. I used to have a because I mean I'm sure that one's pretty tough. I used to have a luster PD2, and it's the most overstable disc I've ever thrown in my life. It was amazing, and now it's at yeah, they're crazy. Some random disc golf shop in the U section, probably. <laughs> so now, I mean, to me, the biggest question here is, what level contract do we see Eagle resign with Discmania? Because I think it's pretty safe to say he's not going anywhere now. That all this options here, but I'm very curious to see like what's about to happen with Eagle's contract. Like, it, are we about to see him? Well, he just pushing he just uh, resigned though. Or will we know? He just resigned, but it wasn't for long. It was like two it was years. Like two years, right? So he still got some. Yeah, things can happen. So I mean, so many things can happen in two years, though. Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna jump the gun. Like I think they've just put themselves on a very good trajectory, but things can happen. You know, like but I, he also had to have known whenever I he guess resigned. I mean because let's say let's say you know even if this mania does really well over the next couple years. You know, let's say they're still behind a Discraft two years from now, and Discraft offers Eagle millions more, and then all of a sudden he's gone. So, like, I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, I think the tough to say. I guess the biggest key is gonna be once plastic gets into people's hands, mm-hmm. like yeah. the general public's hands, someone who's not being paid by Discmania exactly. to tell you how good it is. Exactly. When it gets into like people's hands and they feel it, right? And not only feel it, but see the durability wise. Because they are claiming the durability is like the best on the market. Yeah. Like we've never seen something like this, this before. Yeah, this will it actually holds up to that? Because, because like Prodigy four hundred plastic feels amazing, feels great, but it's super inconsistent and it, it to me it doesn't hold up well. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely the durability would definitely be a big. We factor. should have been on that website buying one of those P two so that we can make a review of it. Silas, man. Well, good thing we know someone who has. I one. don't think Silas yeah, right. is gonna let us throw so that. That's thing. Silas's retirement. <laughs> Unless plan. we're on like we're throwing on a bouncy house. Yeah. <laughs> we gotta hey, go to the trampoline so he got, park. He got two of them. We can attach a parachute. Silas got two of them. Yeah. One for his get, house and one for his them. parents' house or something. Like he's gonna retire <laughs> one for everybody. Retirement, one for now. Yeah. <laughs> one for the Lambo, nah, one for the Porsche. I was saying whenever we were um whenever we were sitting there, like because we we were we all got our lunch and then we're sitting ready to watch the Dismania video. Um and we're just eating while we're watching it. And while we're waiting through the multiple countdowns. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. Um uh, just to be clear, I want to point out a really funny joke that I made in the comments during that. Whenever the second countdown came, I said, dude, I had no idea they were going to become a countdown company. That's crazy. <laughs> that was funny. It didn't get enough yeah, recognition it doesn't, in the chat. It, man, you, uh, yeah. I saw it. It got a chuckle out of me. I don't, saw I don't remember seeing dude, it. Was the comments you, were flying. The chat was flying. I didn't think anybody was going to see it. I remember reading. I remember reading that, and I went, huh. Anyway, so we but were sitting like, there, <laughs> and I was it. like, that it's kind of it. cool that there's like, that we're that something this big is happening in disc golf as a sport to where like this is like a big deal because there were thousands of thousands like of people, 7, people in yeah there. ready to watch that and so that's it's just really cool that there was something that big of an announcement going on in the disc golf world it just made me feel like disc golf is bigger than it's ever been yeah it was fun well you also have to remember no one outside of disc golf was watching to see what disc mania was about to announce well yeah but that but just the fact that there was seven thousand disc golfers yeah, no, willing it, to watch that it was at lunchtime well, on yeah, a yeah, day. yeah okay i see what you're saying now i thought you were saying like look at how big this announcement was like this is so cool that something like this is happening in disc golf and i was like well the disc golf manufacturer i don't know yeah it's just but there's that many people bro. that are interested in it <laughs> come on trevor you okay today you seem, you seem a little rough right now. No, dude, I'm doing You're doing great. good, bro. I'm doing great, man. I'm almost, I'm almost hey, really done quick before we get... with this drop. You know, it's finally almost in the past. <laughs> Starting to recover. Before we, get into, before we get into like Trevor's trivia and stuff like that, Brody called me and he wanted me to clear this up because this, this will also transition into world stuff. Okay. So you might have saw on Twitter. You might not have. Yeah, you might have saw it on Twitter. You might not have. I don't want to be on this topic for long at all because I think this is the the driving thing or the, the golf thing. Golf. Okay. Oh yeah, this doesn't need to be. I think this is like the. I think this is like the lowest thing that's happened leading up. We to can golf. just review this because there's statement. been so much. Exactly. So basically, a backstory: the PDGA tweeted that the golf course was closed and was only going to be open for competitors. And doing so the way they said it was the golf course is closed to ball golfers. Yeah. And then Brody quote tweeted them with an asterisk and said golfers. Then the PDGA responded to him and said, sorry for the clarity. Brody responded back to them with a talking point that we'll get to later. But basically when he, he called me because he wanted to explain why he thinks that this is a big point. Mm -hmm. And it's a two, it's kind of twofold. First and foremost, it's that golf has been around for so long. And we are a form of golf. So, like, ball golf isn't a form of golf. Golf is just golf. And then disc golf is just golf played with a disc. Right. So, like, adding... So, basically, that's the first thing. But the bigger point is that by saying it, it already creates more tension between us and the golf community. And the golf community, to him, is the community that he sees one of the easiest transitions over. He said the ultimate community is an easy transition, but a lot of people playing ultimate, like that's how they're getting their Frisbee fix or whatever you want to call it. Like they're full in sold out to ultimate. 
and they're doing it because they love it. They're not doing it for money or doing it for anything like that. When they get older and stop playing Ultimate, then they might transition to disc golf. But he sees like a bigger thing. Like if they can go out and they can throw something, they want to just be an ultra star because that's what they love. Right. And like it's almost too close. Whereas golf, he thinks like you know it's cheaper, it's more accessible, stuff like that, to where people can do both. And it, one doesn't really conflict with the other yeah. for, as much as Ultimate does. So he sees golf as like a huge pool of people who are interested in the sport, interested in this mindset, um, being the like how you play golf mindset. Uh, and that is an easy transition into disc golf because they already understand the sport. They already understand the scoring. They already have a love for that. And now they're just doing it with new tools. Yeah. So he thinks by calling it ball golf, you're ostracizing, you're pushing out this whole big pool of people that could potentially be future disc golfers. And he's like, if you know if people are doing it with their friends like who cares but his biggest thing is he wants to make sure it doesn't become a thing where the pro tour the pdga the higher ups the like accounts that a lot of people are seeing and consider disc golf like unanimous with yeah to be using ball golf because that's where he sees it being more of an issue I, so yeah that, that was his statement his statement it makes sense i i'm pretty much not going to attach a statement to this issue anymore but because i i mean i like calling it golf too but as the pdga and like as a like for what they were doing. I don't know. It's a tough one. I will say, I think he's fighting a losing battle because I really do not think he's ever going to win that over. I think the pro tour, yeah. the PDGA well, here's my thing. Can continue to use that verbiage. The PDGA, the, t- the way they worded that tweet, it had to have the word ball. There's no, there's no way around yeah. it. If they would have just put golfers, it would have been very confusing. They could have worded it completely differently, but the way it was worded, it, it needed ball golf to, to distinguish it so to me i don't think it was that big of a deal when it was all said and done i get what he's saying i think that if you want to fix that issue what he's talking about then the bigger issue is we need to just stop playing on golf courses because like yeah that was if i'm a golfer i'm a lot less i'm a lot less ticked off by the person saying ball golf than i am by showing up to my course and it being shut down because of a disc golf tournament you know what i mean or something like that yeah no yeah that would that would that would be yeah that a good solution sense. That makes sense. Is all you have for that? <laughs> have you gotten your statement in? Did we lose him? I think we lost him. Hunter? Hunter, we can no longer hear you. Can you all hear me? No, no, yeah, we now we can hear you. <laughs> what? You were gone for a second. Now we have you. I can't really hear you, but uh, I guess it's time for the fan favorite segment, Trevor's Trivia. This should be interesting since they sound like robots right now to me. So let's see uh, what you got, Trevor. Okay. Are you able to hear me clearly right now? <laughs> Are you able to hear me? Now I can, yeah. Okay. You must have, that's, that that bird must have sabotaged your network connection. He might, maybe he bit through the Wi-Fi. No, it's probably that people are starting to wake up and be on it. I've been, I was kind of banking on them sleeping in. <laughs> okay. Um, I, so I've got a kind of a tougher, well, sort of tough trivia question today. Um, it's, I don't know, you're probably not going to get it completely right, but you'll be able to get some of it right. So the question is, how many players, both male and female, have won worlds in both the open and masters division? So you can try to guess at how many total have done it, and then you can try and name as many of them as you can. Okay, wow. Um, I feel like there's going to be more people have done it on MPO than on FPO, but I could be completely wrong there. Um, no, that would be that would be true. Okay, 
because I feel like FPL, like Juliana Corver is still playing, and Elaine King. Like I feel like so I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm gonna say that five total people have done it. There's actually been eight, but but I, to your credit, how many? There's actually been eight of them, but to your credit, three of the names on this list you will absolutely not know. So you really. Five is a great guess because five of the people are the ones you actually would be able to guess. So that's a respectable guess because the other three names are from well before we followed disc golf or anybody did for that matter. I got you. So just try and name the okay, five. We got to pause because we got to hold up. Hold up. Okay. We got to figure something out. I can't. I, you're, I can only hear every other syllable. All right, everybody. So we had a little bit of technical difficulties. Hunter's on, you know, the beach Wi-Fi over there. I'm not sure what kind of broadband, you know, HughesNet satellite mess he's got going on over there. But anyways, he's on a hotspot now. <laughs> he's on that fiber hotspot and we're, we're good to go. So, yeah, he heard the question. He's had time to ponder it. Um, possibly Google it. Possibly <laughs> Google it. So I did not Google it. I did so not like, I, it. like I had said, you have like five your guess of five names was incorrect there's actually eight people who have done it but three of them you're not going to be able to know so five would be if you could get all five of the people that you would know that would be pretty impressive i would give you credit well first off no way that i'm gonna do this i know ken climo it's very yeah climo is one of them i believe barry schultz correct uh des redding yes that's where I hit a roadblock. Yeah, um, good start here. I'm trying to think if there's any other women that I would know. Because mm. I don't know if Juliana Corver's done it. Because I feel like she started going into like uh, freestyling stuff. Freestyling. I'm gonna say Elaine. I'm gonna say Elaine King. Bingo. Oh. And then I need one more for the fifth. This last one is, is uh, an odd one. Well, it's not odd, super odd. Like it's a recognizable name, but it's like, oh, interesting. I totally didn't realize he had done that. Feldberg. Wow, nailed wow. it. Wow, I didn't realize he'd won. I, the, for some reason, I remember he's won the last two Masters championships. I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't realize it was that recent. Yeah. I just remember. I remember him winning one, and I knew his other. So there's three more. So yeah, but you're not going to know them. They're from. Well, like, what if I did? They're from like the <laughs> '80s and '90s. Uh. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's worth guessing. It's Johnny Sears, uh, Beth. Okay, I've heard of him. Beth Tanner and Greg Hosfield. Never heard of her. Greg Hosfield. Never heard of him. Okay, so yeah. the only one that I've heard of is Johnny Sears, but I would never guess that. That was ever. that was an impressive effort from you because Feldberg was one of the surprises. We we should have had uh, you should have had some type of trivia game that Connor and I could have went head to head. You know, I'm not that smart, man. Come up with one right now, Trevor. I'm thinking of a number between one and ten. Connor, what do you think? I think it's two and a half. What do you think, Hunter? Five. It was six. Hunter wins there. Dang Trevor's it. trivia, everybody. <laughs> Take that, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead and pull it in. So uh, another really interesting topic in the disc golf world right now is that UDisc came out with their own world ranking system. Yes. So I'm going to go ahead and just read a direct quote from UDisc. Says this ranking system is motivated by the ELO rating system. A player's ELO rating always increases after a victory and always decreases after a defeat. The ELO system cannot be directly applied to disc golf due to its many player its many player nature. Um, ELO only works out of the box for two player games. Uh, 
And so, however, Udisk's system uses the same concept in that each player maintains a rating that rises if they place higher in a tournament than expected and falls if they place lower than expected. <clears throat> Note, rating in this context is not a player's PDGA rating, but rather a rating unique to Udisk's rankings. Mm -hmm. So what are you guys' thoughts on that? Well, first of all, well, my first thought, <laughs> my first thought is that I should have snuck something into that quote. I like you because Connor was reading it from paper. I was I directly assume. reading yes. it. Yeah, I should have snuck something in there that said like, <laughs> uh, "Insert funny joke here." Connor, don't read that part. Just do it or something like that. <laughs> just to make him read. That's put really on the funny. You should have just to make. That would have been. Great. I just thought of it when he. I just thought of it when he said like note, and then like read the note part. Oh, was uh, I supposed to just note that? I was just supposed to note that. I don't know. Am I supposed I to know. read the parts? I, I, I just say Connor. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you you can give your actual thoughts, Trevor. That was just the first thing that came up. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, my first thought is that this is great in a sense, in two senses, like the. Disc golf has been in needs of a of a comprehensive ranking system. Like we have the Pro Tour ranking system, but we needed a good world ranking system so we know who like where world number one is. Um, you know, the PJ has that for golf, and it's kind of I don't know if it's similar structured, but it it kind of functions the same way. And also, it's great because UDisc is like one of my favorite disc golf companies. I just think they're really well run and they're smart. So my other my my. When I first looked at it, I was like, ah, you know, this is this is really cool, but I'm not sure how accurate I feel like it is. But I've decided that I'm not going to really judge it until I see how it updates after an event. Once I see how um, their whole like um, ELO system works with like the head to head thing, um, then I'll decide like, oh, that's this is pretty good or ah, there's maybe some work. And I'm sure the thing is about UDisc, like they're going to work on it like they are constantly updating things. So if they decide that there's flaws, they will continue to work on it. So I'm really happy about it. Yeah, I think that it's, I think overall it's pretty great because we've, we've had a world ranking system, but it's been updated at the end of the year by the PDGA and it's only updated once a year. Like we don't have yeah. an ongoing one. So in the middle of the year, you have no idea who world number one is right. uh, unless you look at ratings. But the whole issue with ratings is like, if you play a B tier or a C tier, it penalizes you because of, the field size and you know you might also lay up a, a 20 footer for the win and then your rating gets hurt by that so ratings were never good as far as like a world ranking system goes because the highest rated player is not always world number one yeah um and so this is it it's not really a points-based system either it just seems like they call it the dominant it's like dominant a relational index. system almost um, yeah it allow it's like basically just who you beat week in and week out like you were saying kind of allows like those matchups but that's how they change it and it also allows for fun comparisons because you can use the dominance index to like calculate how likely someone is to beat someone so for instance right now eagle mcmahon uh, going into the tournament had a 51.9 percent chance of beating ricky which means ricky had a what 49 point 48.2 or whatever chance of beating eagle like that's pretty cool to like see the head uh, head up uh matchups but yeah i looked back to see like how accurate it has been and so one, the first head-to-head -head I did was Kevin Jones to Jeremy Colling. It has Kevin Jones at a 69% win probability over Jeremy Colling. Yeah. And Kevin Jones so far this year has an 85% win percentage. Pretty close, not crazy off. Yeah. The second one I looked at was Austin Hannum to Brody Smith, the hot take masters. Austin Hannum had a 64% win probability over Brody Smith. 
But Brody had an 87% win percentage so far over Hannum. So this is yeah. where I kind of see the flaw. I couldn't find anywhere the exact amount of history that is factored right. into I the dominance think, I rating. Think I think that's what's happening. Yeah. All I could find year-wise is they, a player is considered active if they've played it all in the last two years. Right. Um, and anything that's factored into it. But I couldn't tell like how far back they're going for this dominance rating. Because a lot of new players onto the scene are a lot lower, and a lot of players that have been around a long time but might not be having a good year right. are a lot higher. And so I've, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting after Worlds to see kind of what happens. And I've noticed, too, that high finishes seem to be really, really heavy weighted. And Hanum didn't Hanum just finish super high at Portland? He was pretty far up there. Yeah. So like, I think that has something to do with it. But well, I think... I think as it's we, not uh, necessarily the finish that's weighted; it's who they beat in that finish. Right. So, like if he beat, like if you if you're in a field and Eagle comes in tenth, everyone who's in ninth through first gonna is going to get a points. huge boost because they beat Eagle. Yeah. yeah, I think what I think. Yeah, I think I'm just going to wait, like I was saying, and just like after a few events, just see how it all settles down because I'm sure even UDisc knows that it won't really be able to shake up the way they want it to until they it has like a season under its belt to like get some history and some um, context for the ratings. Well, I'm sure it has history and context. Yeah, but like for new players like like Brody though, and like, like, and a lot of the, you know, international players that are on there that aren't even on our tour right now, like there's, there's still some work that has to be done by just like time basically. Yeah, but it is, it does seem to be the, the closest and most comprehensive we've gotten to a true world ranking system. And I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. I, yeah. I think there is the top 10, even the top like 15, I didn't really see flaws. Yeah, no. With like the current top 10 definitely. and the ranking. And so I think it's really just like players bursting onto the scene, like you're saying, how that's going to shake up and how long it's going to get them to get to where they're truly finishing um, is going to be interesting to see. But overall, I'm excited to have something where we can truly look at like who is the number one player in the world right now. And it's like a more definitive rating than be like, oh, well, you know, Ricky would be number one rating wise if he hadn't played that weekly league two like two weeks ago. Right. Like that's that's keeping him from being like that's the whole point of this. It is it sorts through all the that crap so that you get a true world ranking. Yeah, most definitely. What I, I actually have a question about the um, the rankings. What is the like biggest benefit to us as disc golf consumers for the rankings? Uh, yeah, it's I think. It's always good to be able to like look at the rankings to just see where people stand in relation to one another. When you're looking to compare players, it's helpful, especially uh, like for one as a sport. It's really important to have an act like a world number one. It's a good like marketing thing to like from an outside person. If you look into a sport, you want to be able to see, oh, that player is the world number one. Like I'll t- take a look at him. I think it's like a good um, title to have in your sport. Uh, have a world number one player also i think as people who like more analyze the game i think it's helpful when you get into like the players who are um not like always in the top 10 or super super relevant but are still like you see a guy pop in the top 10 and you're like oh where's he in the world rankings like where's mm-hmm. he had it where's he been this season because right now we kind of have to like go to the pdga and pull up their finishes for the year yeah and like decide on our own oh, they're having a better season than this person or that person. It's just like, it just simplifies it, basically. It's a simplified way to see where players stand. You know, it also make our Dark Horse picks a lot more intelligent. That's yeah, that's true. true. That's true. Yeah, I think, I think from a consumer point, it, it 
like because a lot of it like trevor was saying is more on the the analog like analyst side the company side the marketing mm-hmm. side the people looking at but from just like a straight fan point of view it's like it, it's the same thing as in like college basketball what uh the top 25 gives you right it's like a okay. bragging right type thing or like gotcha. also just like you get to see where your favorite player is at that point you know what i mean because yeah. you, you might look at it and be like oh frick yeah like it's just something else to root for you get to see like oh you're a big ricky fan now he's first right? like oh oh my word they're doing eagle dirty how's eagle in third right now? or whatever i don't know where he, all that actually stands but mm-hmm. it, it gives you just something else to root for and track along with to keep people more invested in the sport and it's just something else to track while you're watching because you could be like this random guy's popped up in the top five who is this guy oh he's ranked 85th in the world right now and yeah. he's it's on the top line. five storyline yeah yeah it's just more it just it gives you one more thing to create stuff and follow in the sport to help keep you invested in and stuff like that okay yeah. that makes a lot of sense definitely okay well let's go ahead and get into the disc golf world championships that are going on right now through this weekend mm-hmm. which i think that we're all super excited about but let's the first thing let's talk about is we've had a ton of players tweeting about uh, what they seem to see the the problem of the scorecards. Uh, oh, I mean, sorry, of the tee times not being posted until like five or six the night before they actually tee off. Yeah. Uh, I want to just hear you guys' overall opinions about that. Well, Hunter, you can start because I think you and I are going to disagree slightly on this. Ooh. Yeah, we will, I think. Well, my thing is, uh, I think that it was wrongly portrayed because some of the players that I saw were like, I saw Brody talk about it. I saw... Uh, I forget, it was one FPO player talk about it. I saw like a few people talk about it. A lot of them were, this is their first Worlds and their first major. Um, and they just don't understand that like, it wasn't the PDGA being lazy and not posting the tee times. It wasn't necessarily like, it wasn't like the PDGA was just sitting on their hands doing nothing. The reasoning behind it was the check-in goes through the players meeting. And so players at the players meeting can still check in. And so the standard thing right now is that the tea times are posted after the players meeting, which was later that night before the, now could that be a problem? Absolutely. I think that the problem is just not being portrayed the right way. The problem then would be that you need to change the check-in process. Not necessarily like the problem wasn't the PDJ was being lazy, basically like it was being portrayed. It was just that the PDJ's process might not be the best to have tea times. You put up that late, but it wasn't like they were just sitting around doing nothing and not posting the tea times. Like I think some of it got portrayed. Yeah. Well, so, okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I, the fundamental problem is that you should not, if that's the way that the system works, which is okay, fine. Like check-in closes and the tea times can be posted after the players meeting. Then the players meeting needs to be the day before or at least earlier in the day, because I think getting tea times at like six, seven o'clock when you're teeing off the next morning is just not a good look. So I think it is the PDJ's problem. Now, it may just be something that hasn't been, like, pointed out to them until this year. So, like, it's now up to them to fix that next time. But I just think it's just, like, kind of an unprofessional and bad look on their part and a pretty simple solution. Like, it's the world championships. I think you can be expected to get to a player's meeting the day before the world's championship starts. You know, if it's going to be our most prestigious title in our sport, then, like, I think we should know when players are teeing off before, especially because we're on the East Coast. So I don't even know when my favorite player is teeing off when I'm getting in bed. So like, that, yeah. I think that's like not a good look. I think one of the main problems with it, what was the earliest tee time? 
Hunter, do you know? It depended on the course, but it was, I mean, it was early. in the eight o'clock hour. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like, it, it's hard for a player that has to, that doesn't know their tee time until five or six o'clock. And depending on that player and like what their warm up routine is, they might've wanted to get to the course. Like if they knew their tee time was actually going to be at eight o'clock, they might've wanted to already be in bed so they could wake up extra early and be warming up and go through their routine. Yeah. And so I think it's hard that, Yeah, I mean, I know, don't, I don't we all that agree that we all agree that it's a problem that it, they were posted at that time. You're just saying that it's not necessarily it, it's yeah that there's more I behind think, it. Than yeah, what we see. The, the problem the problem was wrongly portrayed. People who were complaining about it were coming after the PDGA like they were choosing like just waiting doing nothing like why aren't you posting the tea time? But realistically, it's because not everyone checked in yet. Yeah, right. you saw sense. the feature cards were posted. The feature cards were posted, and Barry Schultz was on one of them. Right, and then he had he didn't check in by the time that. The players meeting started and so he he dropped out of worlds and so like he had to be pulled off a feature card so stuff like that if you post them too early like assuming they don't change the players meeting if they would have posted them too early then you might have looked at okay i'm teeing off at 12 o'clock and then three people from your card end up dropping out just by luck of the draw and now your tea time has to change and so that's what's wrong and like why they they couldn't do it like per se like that because they had to wait till check-in was completely done so you can just have check-in, maybe have the players meeting at the same time and just have check-in end a day or two earlier. Yeah, like you have to be checked sense. in by now. Players yeah. meeting, because the player meeting the night before makes sense to me. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the, whenever I've been to USDGC, because USDGC's ran the same way. Whenever I've been to USDGC or Worlds, like this players meeting is like when reality starts hitting you, like Worlds starts tomorrow. Like they have like the opening ceremonies they have all like it's like a, a event that kind of builds the hype helps build the prestige of the event so i think having that whole event the night before makes the most sense i think if you want to fix the issue which they should then just move the player check into where the player check-in maybe ends morning like the night before the players meeting so then tea times are posted 24 hours in advance or something like that yeah i think that's it i mean it's that a simple solution i mean they were yeah they i guess they just kind of set themselves up for that failure by having the system the way it was and maybe they just haven't had issues in the yeah. past but hopefully they just change it next year like i just i think it's an easy solution definitely so we got like a little bit more brody smith drama going on hunter why don't you go in and fill us in on what's going on on that front yeah so this was the this was the thing i alluded to earlier right where this is crazy there was the tweet well, i love this brody is, smith, well, I man i love him <laughs> Well, this was so. This was the response where he he tweeted and said like asterisk golfers, and then the PDJ responded and said sorry for the clarity. Like clearly getting a little sassy with them, which that's a whole different thing. I don't know if I mean I'm kind of all there for it. I kind of love. I kind of like the response. Um, But regardless, then he responded and said, "Hey, at least it took. uh, At least it took. It was something along the lines of like, at least took two people hitting by golf ball. At least took someone getting hit by a golf ball." For you to close the course down uh, two days before the world championship. Yeah. So Brody kind of clapped back at him like that, which what was interesting to me is like uh, that the golf course was still open apparently to golfers up to two days before the event. Yeah. And it also brought up a, a different issue in responses to that where players were having to pay for practice rounds out there so for the bad. world championship. So bad. Like this, to me, this whole this whole scenario is the just. One of the biggest reasons that we need to get away from tournaments, especially majors, on golf courses. Yeah, well, yeah. Because, like, it, it probably just costs too much for them to fully shut it down and rent out the course for the whole time. But, like, if you can't shut down to only competitors for a world championship, then, like, 
why are we having a world championship there? Yeah, it's just like there should be there just should be no event, other events run to this standard. Like this should be the gold standard. And I've seen more issues at this event than anything on the Pro Tour schedule this year that I can think of. And like that's just well, I think yeah. And I understand it's under a microscope saw, because it is world, so everybody's gonna be extra picky. But like that should be how it is. So mm-hmm. like I don't blame them. Yeah. And it, they haven't had to be that picky. Like having to play to practice for worlds, like getting having to dodge drives from golfers during that practice round. <laughs> like well, it's pretty bad. So Brody said that like apparently the person that got hit, like what was going on, was some. Like one of the holes plays at the end of the driving range, and there were like a line of golfers at the driving range, intentionally blitzing shots oh. towards the disc golf holes because they were ticked off at the course. Like that, disc golfers were on their course. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I think I think yeah. yeah. And there, there's such a, there's like a hostility between golfers and disc golfers for that reason because like honestly, if that was my local golf course and I showed up and that was the case, like I'd be upset. So like this is just all comes back to like. You either got to close the course down completely or like, let's just as a sport, please try to move away from golf courses. Like, let's just yeah. try. Well, I saw some people, I saw some people like saying, well, Brody, like, you, do you not realize you're causing the issue? Like we used to have, we went for years and we've never heard people complaining about the world and blah, blah, blah. My thing is, I think one of the reasons that we're seeing these issues is because previous years, we haven't had an example in the pro tour. Yeah. on how mm-hmm. events should be run and right. how good events go and how smooth it is so that players got used to the Pro Tour and the Pro Tour standard and how things are being done. Right. And then when they show up to Worlds, they expect it almost a step above the Pro Tour. And when it sounds like a lot of ways they got a step below the Pro Tour, they're like, what the heck? This is this is Worlds. Like, what? Yeah. I'm playing tournaments week in and week out to treat me like this, to treat me better than this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think that's where the issue came from more so. But, I mean, Brody wasn't done with not really issues because this one was a solution. He then shows up the day of, same issue, because we're on a golf course. He shows up the day of to warm up for his round, and he said there's two golfers on the driving range hitting down the driving range. The other half is empty, and that's where the disc golfers are. And he walked up there, and everyone's thrown into the fence, which is like a net. Everyone's thrown into this fence. And he's like, why why are you throwing into the fence? Like, we can't throw down the range. And he's like, what do you mean? They're like, yeah, we can't because the golfers are hitting down range. We can't throw down there because we can't go get our disc. They won't let us. And so then Brody's like, well, what the heck? Like, we got to warm up. I got to be able to throw my disc more than 10 feet into a net yeah. to, to yeah. warm up. So he goes inside and he said, he just walked inside, said, can I speak to a manager? And the manager came out and then he was like, hey, you know, could I, could I pay to rent out the other half of the, of the driving range, so the whole driving range disc golf? And so the guy was like, um, yeah, I just got to think. And Brody's like, if I paid you a thousand bucks, can we have it for the day? And the guy goes, oh yeah, a thousand bucks at, yeah. You have for the day, yeah. and so Brody was like, "So I swiped my card, and then I walked back out, and the like the manager walked out with him, kicked the golfers off, and then the disc golfers just had free range of the driving range." Robin Hood, and so, <laughs> so, um, the PDGA marketing director, I I saw Brody's initial tweet that didn't have that much context. I saw Brody's initial tweet that just said, "Pay thousand bucks to rent out the driving range, warm up however you want," right. and I quote tweeted, and I was like, "I need context here because." Like, if it's that simple, PDGA, what the heck are you doing? Yeah. And I added them because I wanted their response. Right. The director of marketing for the PDGA responded to my tweet and was like, I don't know what he's talking about. Half the range is already open. I don't know what he paid for. Right. They could have thrown down it all day. So then I quote tweeted back to Brody. I was like, Brody, what the heck? Like, that, like, surely that couldn't off? have been true. Like, that couldn't have been true. <laughs> yeah. And that's when Brody was like, well, yeah, half the range. The, the, it's partially true. The PDGA had half the range rented out, but we couldn't throw down the range because they didn't have the other half. Yeah. And so everyone was hitting to the same field. And so if we would have 
they wouldn't allow us like liability wise to throw a disc and then risk a golf ball going straight through our yeah, temple. Like someone yeah, like someone splices a golf ball and then yeah. it just heads straight for someone. Such a, a such a ridiculous yeah because the thing for the PDGA to the protection that they could do that. Yeah, the protection net only went 100 feet, Brody said. So right. it, it, there wasn't like there was a protection net the whole way down. Like everyone threw into the, the same opening at the bottom. Yeah. And so, but they were like trying to say like, I don't know what he Brody paid for. And so then I got the full story, which was like, no, yeah, the PDJ did have half of it, but because they didn't have the other half, then players couldn't. What I haven't heard still as of right now, hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, there'll be an answer. But as of right now, the recording of this podcast, there's no answer. Is the PDGA doing this again? Because I heard from uh, people on the ground there that, A, like, that Yuli was, like, talking to the PGA and was like, well, I'm going to just pay to rent it out for tomorrow then, like, if we need to rent it out. And the PGA is like, I don't know if you want to do that. And said something along the lines of, like, talking about unfair advantage to players who now are going to be able to warm up versus players oh, who didn't ridiculous. get to because they didn't have it. That is ridiculous. And stuff like that. Dude. And my thing was, like, I could call the golf course from here and just tell the golf course, like, hey, I want to fully rent out the driving range for the disc golfers. And then like, what if I, what if I like told them, okay. And then make sure only foundation players are in. Yeah. Like only Brody, Paul and Gannon Burr and Nick Carl can get in there and throw. Yeah. Because I rented it out. I paid for it. When you don't have a governing body, like Brody could have easily said only disc craft teammates allowed to warm up. Because only I can warm up here. Like, yeah. yeah. So like, what's, what's stopping disc craft from paying for it and throwing up a disc craft banner and saying, this is the disc craft warm up area. That's such a mess. Like you, like the PDGA is worried about the wrong thing, I feel like. Because I'd be more worried, A, your name's getting dragged through the mud right now. Brody's tweet is blowing up. Yeah. B, what like literally nothing stopping Innova or anyone from paying and saying only our teammate only our team can warm up. I, if I, that's almost smart as the company. Yeah. That's yeah. A, you secure a warm up spot for your team. It's literally a dumpster fire publicity wise and like I just can't decide is the PDGA broke or do they, are they just so stingy and stubborn because like throw a few thousand dollars at it and solve the problem. It literally would solve it. If, yeah. if they like were smart, they would have, as soon as that tweet started getting traction, they'd have been like, Hey, just talk to the clubhouse. We've got it rented for the rest of the week. Sorry for the inconvenience to everybody. Oh, like I heard someone from the PDGA, like when Brody went back, cause Brody after his round, he didn't play so good first round. He went back to the driver and she went to practice more. And someone from like the PDGA was sitting there I was like, hey, can I talk to you? And like basically like apologize to him. He's like, Yeah, you know, we could have rented the whole thing out, but we just didn't know people would want to throw full drives. Like, <laughs> what? what? Oh my gosh, dude. What, what do you mean? Uh, playing disc golf like, putt putt. I just that's just not true. Just, just just admit that you messed up. Like yeah. don't sit there and double down yeah. and be like, oh well, we could have done yeah. it, but I, we just didn't yeah. like thank you for doing it. We didn't think anyone would want that. You gotta <laughs> like when you're a when you're a company that represents the people, like you gotta fall on the sword. You gotta just admit, like, hey, it was a mistake, we're fixing it. Yeah. Like and the people will be like, yeah. good, okay. Perfect. Like if you yeah, start I, acting, I just went through, if you're trying to prove yourself, like, no, like we had the range, you're lying. Like if you start, you can't take those angles as a company that represents the governing no. body of our sport. You got to just yeah. be, you got to be the voice of the people. people I are, had heard they were going to make like an official statement to the players and everything soon. Um, I went onto the PJ's Twitter and as of right now, I mean, players should be I think FPO plays at Mulligans today, so FPO mm-hmm. should be out there right now, yeah. or about to tee off because it's nine thirty. Uh, so, like, if they haven't, uh, if they haven't said anything yet, I don't know if they're going to because, yeah, the, there's already FPO players on the course as of right now, so they would already already warm up. So, if the PJ did make a statement, at least it was not public. The statement they made, um, we might have to talk about that next week, whatever that ends up being. But hopefully, their statement is we 
paid for it for the rest of the week. Yeah. Sorry that we messed up. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Bad look. Bad look. That is really interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. But I mean, what? So other than this whole dumpster fire air thing that Firefest, let's call it, this is the Firefest. It's the Firefest of the week. Besides the sure. Firefest. Yeah, that's our Firefest of the week. Besides that, what, what were your first impressions? I want to get this from all three of us, really. The first impressions, though, of round one, the started worlds, what players are feeling, what they're not feeling, what you're expecting the rest of this week. Yeah, Mulligans. So I'm trying not to draw a lot of conclusion from Mulligans because it created a serious, you know, dumpster fire. Not dumpster fire. It, it was like a tor- <laughs> You just, you just yeah. want that word. I know it, it's a smorgasbord. <laughs> there's a word <laughs> of a leaderboard because the leaderboard is just like, there's just random names that shot really well. There's names that are like good players that shot awful. And then there's not a ton of separation at the top. So like, I think I've decided that like, I'm just going to wait and see what the fort has to offer. All of the guys that we've picked to be in contention to win are still within three or four strokes. So nothing has happened that has shocked me. Yeah. In that sense, obviously, like having Nate Sexton being your yeah, what the heck? That's the, that's my main takeaway is what is Nate doing up there? Right. Like, how did so that like happen? the course must have just fit his game, or he mm-hmm. was feeling good. But so I'm, that's why I'm just gonna wait and see what the fort does today because in all possibilities, you know, the fort could you know be the like the separator, and then we could see a more normal looking leaderboard. I mean, I, I'm a fan of chaos. Like I'm not mad about yeah. it. You know, a lot of the guys I'm rooting for are still playing well. Mm-hmm. So there's I, very little conclusion to draw from. Right. Yeah. From the it's there's five there's right five rounds of golf. So like there's so much work to be done on the FPO side. Um, it's still relatively close. You know, Paige only up a stroke as of yesterday, and all the names are still around there. So it's kind of the same thing. Where hey, and I hope going into the last day that there are just tons of players in contention. You know, and mm-hmm. it's super interesting. I think it's going to be tough to accomplish that with how many rounds there is and with the fort probably being more of a separator than mulligans, but we'll see, you know, I'm excited. It's an exciting start. They're off quick, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see if it plays the opposite for FPO. If the fort is where there's a congestion and mulligans is where the field separation happens Right. for FPO. I can see that being true, but yeah, I mean, as of right now, there's what four rounds left in this tournament. Mm-hmm. So as of right now, I think if you're within seven or eight strokes, you're still in this. Is that fair? Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So eight, eight yeah. strokes puts you into, there's 86 players within eight strokes of the lead. Uh, yeah. There's after one round. It's, so it's that's jumbled up for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Paul was literally on lead card, one stroke off the lead, double bogeys, the last hole and drops the tide for 20th. Right. So like what this, what this told me basically is that the world championship is going to be a hundred percent decided by the fort. The yeah. mulligans is just, it's just going to be, there's not enough separation at the top. Players who are shooting good are going to get around that 10 range, but there's only going to be a stroke or two. There doesn't seem to be a lot of holes that can cause these drastic swings back and forth um, that I feel like the fort will provide. So I think that realistically today and then Friday and Saturday is the world championships and yesterday and tomorrow are kind of the, the filler rounds where they're beautiful to watch. It's fun to watch them play the course you still got to play good, but you're not going to win or lose it at at Mulligans. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Unless I'm very interested to see if that's the exact opposite to true for FPO. Like I was saying, I think that today will be telling for FPO as well. Mm, Yeah. Because there wasn't a lot of separation at the fort, 
but I heard the commentators talk a lot about, you know, they didn't really expect there to be. They expected to kind of be more of a grind, stay close to par type of an environment mm. um, for FPO at the fort. So I'm interested at Mulligans if we'll see, you know, Paige, Cat, Haley. Yeah, this is uh, kind of open it up a little bit. Mulligans more. could be where Paige and Cat really start to separate. That'll be interesting. Yeah. And what was our dark horse picks? I know I had Nick Carl. Mm. He was at the fort yesterday. Uh, and He's he, even, right? I believe he played. Yeah, he shot even out there at the fort. So uh, he's he's doing decent, I feel like. Oh, I have uh, Zach. It'll be interesting to see what he does at Mulligan. Uh, Zach Arlinghouse. Let me. I can't remember who I had. I had a guy that you had chosen before, Hunter. You... Tanner Gerard. Oh, yeah, yeah, Tanner, Tanner Gerard. 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 Yeah. Let me go ahead and track down my boy here and see how he's. I'm wondering if I'm hoping they're all in the same pool. If not, then we're not going to know what's going uh, on until the until it's all done. Yeah, uh, I'm having an issue here. I think someone, someone, Zach Arlinghouse. Zach Arlinghouse dropped. I think he dropped out. There's no way. There's no way that's real. He's not on there. I literally cursed okay, him. I got I cursed him to non-existence. There's no way that that. That's, there's no way that's actually true, Trevor. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. I am the. Curse. I'm. I'm looking now. I. I am the curse. You're right. He's not there. Oh my gosh, he was no freaking way. He was registered. That is hilarious. That is so. Pick, funny. How do you pick the one person that drops out? I can't lose. <laughs> I got no player. Oh my word! Now here's the question: Will you guys let me pick a new dark horse who's like even or behind y'all? Since there's still four rounds left. So Tanner, Tanner Gerard is plus three, but he so he's in the A pool. So he played at Mulligans, and Nick Carl is even but played at the fork. Let me, so okay. What I'll do, Trevor, is if you can find someone, I'll let you pick someone who's plus three or worse. Okay. As your new dark horse. That's kind of messed so up. So tied, tied with Connor. How? How's that messed up? Because yeah, like, if I, anything, you're I'm, getting an advantage right now. Because I say it should be plus yeah. four or up, but I'll give you the plus three or up. I'm just saying, like, it's just messed up that like my guy just didn't even. Oh yeah, that is pretty there. messed up that you did that. Like, you that's did that just really him. unfortunate. <laughs> like, I can't believe you would do that. Well, okay. Maybe he should. Maybe stop for the being safety. Maybe for the safety of whoever he's about to pick, he shouldn't be allowed to pick another person because <laughs> they're gonna have to That's drop out. True. <laughs> yeah, I'm, well, at what point? Whoever I pick, you guys should. If it, you guys are listening and you're in this event right now, you guys should all be shaking in your boots right now. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I just want to know, like, at, at what point is it not misfortunate for Trevor and it's just the truth? Like, it just it just happens. he's just bad at it. He just is a bad omen. Like, we can't. I think you got to pick someone because if not, I think you lost this week. All right, you well, already got your free your free okay. dropout with Max Nichols two weeks ago. Don't That's be. True. This is ridiculous, man. That we even have to have this conversation right now. Like, why? Why is this happening pick to a, me? Just pick the top. You're you're literally on the same streak as Mincy or whatever his name is, that Barstool guy with I, the College That's World what Series. I feel like. Okay. Oh, this guy's a thousand one rated. Dang it! I almost had somebody. Well, he's picking. Gannon's doing really good too. He's doing decent. Like he's doing yeah. pretty good. Yeah. It, it, I think so much of it's just going to be telling of what happens at the fort mm-hmm okay it'll be very interesting let's check out this guy here come on come on the other thing that i all right i got my that pick. trevor to ask me about okay never mind go for mike it. mike carmen he's 991 mike rated, and he is currently at plus three he's in the he's in mike the carmen uh, go ahead pack four. up head home your weekend's over sorry to There's tell gonna you be a snake out there on the course it's gonna bite him you know what's funny is this is going to be telling too because we haven't made a pick in the middle of a tournament before. So 
you picked him 24 hours before he even knows he's picked. What happens if Trevor... Hold on. Trevor has to have a punishment if he double loses. No. If that's Trevor not double fair. Loses. This is ridiculous. Let's just be clear. He's already lost. <laughs> this is just ridiculous. But is we're just throwing him a bone and letting him pick another person. What well, if he loses again? Here's the thing. The, the loser for this one was like we were doing Chick-fil-A instead of calling. It was right? Chick-fil-A. So how about I'll upgrade you get a You get a large meal. Okay. If I double a large lose, meal. if I Deal. double right. lose, but double hey, lose, it's double or nothing meal. though. Like y'all are in on this too now. If you no. want to put that on, we didn't. No, we didn't kill. We are, we're we not double losing. We didn't kill whoever we picked <laughs> though. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Our this guys is are playing unjust. the event. I'm literally gonna pay off one of your guys to lose on purpose. I'm gonna pay him <laughs> to throw. It's gonna be a scandal. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna absurd. pay for the I'm gonna pay for I'm, the driving range. It's pretty it's pretty like laughable at this point. But like I hope Zach Arley is really what I really hope happens is that Mike Carmen just pops off today, has himself one heck of a day, and then the podcast comes out, and then and then has- he just tanks because he, <laughs> once, once the public knows your pick, I'm gonna tank. I'm gonna well. pay for I'm gonna pay for the um, driving range and say only Tanner Gerard can can <laughs> only Tanner no, Gerard just say only well. only Mike Carmen is not allowed. He's the only guy yeah, on yeah, the list. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, the only other thing with Worlds that I noticed was Trevor. You were asking me about uh, spectators, like yeah. how many they were allowing and stuff like that. The limit I found online before the event was set at a thousand. Oh, so I don't bad. know if they ever raised that or if a thousand is how many are out there. It looked like it was pretty well attended yesterday. That's a, I mean, a thousand um, is enough to where as long as like as long as that last card on the final day is popping off and a thousand people is plenty enough to do that, then like that's fine. You know, do you bad. think that they're gonna have? Yeah, trend? it seemed like it seemed like. You think a thousand? Is, like what? Do you think a thousand? Like they would have to turn people away, or do you think that's just a pretty good number? They might. They pre-sold. They, okay. they pre-sold yeah, yeah, the right, amount. Because right. if they, if it was just, so open, I'm not sure, but people would people would fly out to Utah for Worlds for sure. If it, if it, yeah, they would get but, well, I mean, I, well more than a thousand, I think. You would. De- you could hear the crowd yesterday on the live stream, so it, I, it's cool. definitely going to be an exciting, if exciting they, finish when all all people are there. If they take worlds back to like Charlotte or like a really heavy disc golf area again, and there's unlimited spectators, it there could be ten thousand people. There. Well, I'm wondering what USDGC like if there's no cap uh, on that. Yeah, that could uh, be super. What crowded. that's going to look like? Be cool because that's always really well attended. Yeah, and I mean, we'll, we're going to be there no yeah. matter what. I'm. I'm going to be there. He's going to be. Mm-hmm. I love USDGC. Yeah. I already missed. I missed Worlds. This is my first time missing Worlds. I think since 2015. Just because I'm you're not the there right man. now. What's better, the beach? Well, or it's also I just I was just Worlds. I've never been to. Worlds. I was just never planning. I was just never planning to go to Utah Worlds for some reason. I don't know why. Because Utah. It was just never. I never planned it's it. It's all the way out there. I, I know, but I think it was. I think it was just because of COVID. Like I just assumed I wouldn't be able to go, mm. but like I could have easily. I could have went. It was. It would have been pretty easy to get a media pass. So I don't know what, but I mean, I, I'm at the beach. I'm relaxing at the beach. Yeah, me man. and Eddie, the egret are just you and chilling. The are just chilling, chilling back man. here. You're bowling right now. Yeah, yeah, we're just, just sitting bowling. out here. But all right, it's time to wrap it up. Make that call. I got an interesting one for you, Trevor. I saw I already, this on Facebook. I already read the answer in the uh, list, dude. I'm just no, you didn't. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dude, you literally just I broke would, my heart. I would, Come on. I would never. Pay me in that scenario, man. I, I have so hard. It. Come on, I have so Come on Bob Ross. Pay me in that scenario. Okay. So we'll let you we'll let you and Connor both work together on this oh, one. Okay. This is a, this is an interesting one. This I really, is, I have I really yeah. haven't read it. I haven't read it. I promise. I believe you. I believe you. Okay, so you're playing a golf course, and Saint. the OB is defined as cart path and beyond. Okay. 
Your disc okay. is in the middle of the cart path, mm -hmm. but there's a rather thick, like triangular peninsula of grass and sand that have overtaken the cart path, and part of your disc is now clearly touching the grass there, laying on top of it. Yeah. The group begins to argue back and forth as whether you're inbounds or out of bounds. It's really split. Since it's so split, someone goes, hey, since it's so unclear, benefit goes to the player, Trevor's inbounds, let's move on. Mm -hmm. Another player responds like, no, that's not true. Like, that's not a real rule. That's just made up by players to just settle the, <laughs> the, the debate. The debate needs to keep going on. Okay. So who is right? Is benefit to the player an actual rule or is that just something that we all believe is a rule? Right. So we're so we're going to go ahead and assume that the actual ruling is like super ambiguous to where it needs to go to that. Right. Absolutely. OK, so we're yeah. so the whole peninsula thing is not relevant except for that it's super ambiguous. Well, yeah, that, that's the part that actually happened, and it was on Facebook, and it is being debated back and forth by like 500 so the, comments. So everybody's it's just thrilling. talking it. Wow. So apparently it took that. There must <laughs> – the fact that you said there's 500 comments leads me to believe that there's probably not a rule about benefit to the player or else somebody could have cited True. it in the first comment and everybody could have shut up. <laughs> well, they're trying – I don't want to throw you off any sense or anything. They're trying to they – the 500 comments were determining about the – if it's clearly in bounds or clearly out of bounds. That's what the 500 comments. So that's so gotcha, I was just gotcha. uh, oh, reaffirming oh. how ambiguous the calling is okay. that it would have to be like, but we're not talking is about this benefit that. to the player real. No, we're, you don't need to make that call. Okay. We're making this call, not that call. Okay. Wouldn't, you're wouldn't making this call, not that call. But wouldn't the answer just be to do a provisional and then ask the TD? Well, yeah, but the, that's not the question. I think the okay. answer is, question is, is, is it a real thing in the rule book that like benefit goes to the player if a decision can't be exactly. reached? Exactly. But I, I just don't is that in the rule book or is that something that we've all well if you play a tournament and there's an ambiguous call everyone immediately goes oh well you know it's so close benefit just goes to the player yeah, yeah, yeah. is that, that an actual rule or is that something that players have just made a rule and it's like an unspoken rule it is well I, I believe that the pga is weird enough to put that in the rule book i was but... gonna say the same thing i'm just gonna i would i think it might be a rule uh I, but like, are you locking it in? Could, no, because how could you? Here's the problem. Are we least, working on this together right now? Let me at least, yeah. Okay. Let me at least explain my together. I want y'all to come to a collective while, answer. While I agree that it it darn well might be in there, mm -hmm. it also would be pretty ridiculous to have that in the rule book and the provisional rule in the rule book because the provisional rule completely eliminates that. That's what I was saying. That's why I was saying. Why wouldn't you just throw a provisional right. as a TD? Because that seems like the obvious answer. Because yeah, if you throw the provisional, then you leave it up to the TD. So why would you have to say. say, why would you have to say that the benefit goes to the player? I think benefit goes to the player more so applies though in these kind of situations. Cause think about it like this. It's like the provisional rule is helpful if you throw into like water and you're like, oh, I don't know if it's casual or OB. I'm going to play it like it's casual and also play it like it's OB. Mm -hmm. This ruling is like the only way you would be able to get a ruling is if the TD could walk over and literally look at it to see if it's OB and you can't use photo evidence. Well, yeah, but you can say you can take them to the spot, though. But okay, let's say, but this because it's it's clearly in the peninsula. But what if what if it was like um there was like an OB string and your disc was underneath it and it was like really close. But that's the not the call though. It is for sure in the peninsula. So you just had to ask the TD, is it but is the peninsula in or out? We're uh, debating if that rule. Okay, would be let's right. go. We're, let's we're go with topic. the string. Let's go with the string idea. Yeah, yeah because okay. string we're, idea. We're, de we're debating <laughs> let's go with that. If, if it would be right. in the rule book for thing. any reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the peninsula thing is more clear, but if it, it would have to be in the rule book for a reason. So like, we're really just debating. We're really just trying to think: is the is both the provisional rule and benefit to the player rule in the rule book yeah. or no? I think it is. I think the benefit to the players is in the rule book. You just brought up that whole thing literally to try to tell me that it probably isn't. No, but then I thought no. The, <laughs> oh, the string okay. thing 
changed my mind because okay. then I thought to myself, yeah, if you have a one that's so ambiguous, not because the rule is ambiguous, but because I you understand. have to see it with your own eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you could you could take the TD over and put the disc back where it was, but it's not uh-huh. an exact spot. No, I understand now. I, I'm with you. That that to me clears it up, makes me think that it's in the rule yeah, book. Yeah, I'm going to say it's in the rule book. <laughs> I'd be like, you're wrong. Y'all are correct. Yeah, oh. it is. It is rule eight oh. Right. <laughs> it is rule eight oh one point oh three a. It says when a group cannot reach a majority decision regarding the ruling, the ruling is based on the interpretation that is most beneficial to the player. Yeah, that's kind of a weird ruling. I feel like it should be like, I guess it's so like players can't get ganged up on by like hostile groups of like yeah, card. Well, yeah, it's basically like so that two guys on your card can't just bully you because then you and the other guy can be like well no look like look how close it is like there's no way you can yeah. definitely say it's because that was I, the whole thing is like the whole argument was cart path and beyond was ob and this peninsula came onto the cart path right and but it pretty connected clearly. to land and so though. the question yeah so, so the question was like does that make that part land or right like if you kicked it up you'd probably find so it's basically way down it's there. like a completely visual i think the the benefit of the player thing comes down to like not it's like a, v- a very visual thing to where the tournament director would have to see it with his own eyes. So that's why, because th- that's where the pr- provisional doesn't help because even if you played the provisional, he still can't make a decision on which one was correct, the provisional or the other one, because he didn't see it. Yeah. Exactly. So that's where this rule helps. And I, it yeah. makes sense. It makes sense. It, d- it does make sense, I think. All right. Well, All right. that's going to wrap it up for this week's show. Hopefully you enjoyed uh, listening and um, hopefully my technical difficulties and everything worked out yeah, how does Pretty the smoothly. Nick and Matt show do this every week but live? And <laughs> we can't even do it. In uh, a they have better internet. Podcast. They have yeah, they have better oh, internet. True. That makes they sense. They're not, the beach. they're not they're not yeah, they're not sitting on the beach, you know, with Eddie the Egret right. watching boats float down the sound. Nice, man. We're I mean, we got <laughs> I just wanted to throw in a reminder to like and like Silas is here, he's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so take that. Have Silas, maybe have Silas floating down the aisles. Yeah. Silas, you can you flap your That's wings? We're gonna, we are going to set up the sprinklers. Silas is so confused because he can't hear you. He can only we're hear gonna us. Flood, we're going to flood the office. <laughs> I literally just looked at Silas and go, Silas, can you flap your wings? He's got no context. <laughs> we're going to flood it in here. That's great. And we're going to float around. So yeah. There you go. And then, then you'll have the same experience that I'm having. Hey, exactly. do you want to bring up what we're doing on Saturday or no? Oh, yeah. 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 So Friday night. Well, no, actually, Saturday morning, we're going to be doing the follow up. Uh, so it'll get you everything, all the information that you need before the live stream starts Saturday afternoon. Um, the FPL live stream, I believe, begins at 12 and then the MPO will begin at 5 Eastern or 6 Eastern. Um, and then for either the back nine F- FPO, it's going to kind of depend on how close each of these are. But for MPO and part of FPO as well, we're going to be doing a companion stream. Uh, so basically, we're going to be going live here on the podcast YouTube channel. Uh, it's just going to be, we're going to hang out. We're apparently going to have some pretty interesting bets on the line, uh, kind of as we go throughout. Uh, so you're definitely not going to miss it. You're going to catch it's our reactions live fun. to everything happening. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute blast. So you're going to want to join in. Basically, just have us pulled up in one tab, have the coverage pulled up in the other tab, and just watch disc golf like you're hanging out with us, with this, with your friends, and it'll be I mean, I'm super excited for it. We're going to get some pizza. We're going to have some poker chips so that we can bet and have a big punishment and a big prize on the line for basically the total of who wins and loses the most bets during that live stream. Um, in addition to little side bets, uh, I heard we might have to be shotgunning a, a Celsius. Um, <laughs> that's only if which, that's so, only if Paul's in contention. We're, we're going to do anything it takes, man, to, <laughs> to get him to win. We'll, we'll throw down those Celsius, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're gonna be we're gonna be, i'm gonna smash them into each other and drink them. <laughs> team celsius uh, yeah so it'll be uh <laughs> make t-shirts Connor and i are using the zero gravity chair we're gonna be team celsius yeah <laughs> <laughs> team that'll be great that'll be great so yeah you're down you, if you can't tell you're not going to miss that live stream that'll be happening saturday uh right here on the foundation podcast youtube channel um, and other than that, we will talk to you next week with the wrap-up show for Worlds, talk about everything that went down, and hopefully have an official statement from the PDGA about the driving range. We'll see what happens. All right. See you. See you next time. <laughs>